Good evening. Welcome Rachel and Charles and John. So this evening, um, we're really looking forward to hearing your heart and your mind and your understanding of some key questions that people have been asking me and others over the past 18 months, maybe because of lockdown. But even before lockdown, there were lots of, of words being said about a new time and a new season. And what does that look like? And then we hit lockdown. And so I'd like to, to present the questions to you and, and hear from each of you without the pressure of having an answer. But, you know, as Malachi 3.16 says, you know, those who feared the Lord talk together. In fact, it says they talk together often and the Lord listened. And so this is that kind of context where we can just hear, you know, your understanding, your current revelation, your experience, and we can dialogue together. So I'd like to set the first question. Uh, and John, if you'd like to start us off with, what does it mean to be part of church at this time? And, and what about the apostolic purpose of church, a deep, deep, meaningful concepts? But, you know, just give us your thoughts on what that means today. Right, thank you. Well, I, obviously church has been a great passion of mine over the years and still is. And um, I just want to try and keep it simple from my perspective. Psalm 133 is a prophetic psalm, in my opinion. It's a picture of the church, which is Christ's body. And the anointing first comes on the head. And the head, of course, is Jesus Christ. And then on the shoulders, which one could interpret as being the disciples or the early church leaders. And then on, on the whole body, and the uh, there was enough oil to get right down to the feet. So the, the whole body was immersed in the same oil that came on the head. And I think this is the key for the church, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, receiving the Holy Spirit, being immersed in the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the spirit that dwells within us. And if we're going to be a successful apostolic church, then we need to get the apostolic anointing. Christ the head was the chief apostle and he was sent by the father. The leaders uh, are the 12 apostles of the Lamb. You can't have any more than that. that that's a finished job. And, and they were sent by Jesus. And then in the Acts of the Apostles, we see the many apostles of the Spirit sent by the Holy Spirit. And the same anointing came onto the whole body. Now, my understanding is that Jesus' primary work uh, as, as uh, an apostle was reconciliation, reconciling us first of all to his father and then to one another. And then he empowered us. He, he released the power of the Holy Spirit into the body, which then sent us on our way, releasing us into our ministry. And I think very simply, Ephesians 4, which is a key passage and Ephesians is, is really a book about the church. It's Paul not having to address a lot of problems, but able to just pour out his heart and vision for the church. And Ephesians 4, which we all know so well, makes it clear that this same work is the responsibility of the fivefold ministry to equip the church for the work of ministry so that the church becomes apostolic, the church becomes prophetic, the church becomes evangelistic pastoral and teaching to the community so many of us in the house church too have this vision of building a bigger and better church when really what god has called us to do is to bring the community in which we live into a relationship with him so church is expressed 
through every avenue of life within the community, be it the arts, be it uh, health, be it education, whatever it is, uh, it can be done. And I have seen over the years some groups and churches that have accomplished a large degree of, of that. There was a, a, the Scots in, in uh, is it Coleraine in Northern Ireland who did an amazing job as they reached something like 50 or 60% of the community every month through all the various works that they did. Uh, in, in food banks and food distribution. And, and they had, I think, even a film club for people who were interested in acting and this kind of stuff. And they reached the whole community pretty well over and over again. And I understand in the leaders' meetings, when they met together, uh, they were only allowed to speak about a miracle for, for a fortnight. And if they didn't come up with something else after that, they had to discard the miracle rather than going <laughs> talking on about the same old miracle again. So, yeah, amazing stuff. So um, I just believe that that is a key to seeing the church released. It's biblical, and I think uh, it means that the church becomes the active influence in the community and possibly in the nation as well. So praise God. Brilliant. Thank praise you, John. God. Rachel? Well, when we look at churches, I, um, I'm someone who's been passionate about the church. I'm a Mish kid, preacher's kid, so I grew up in India. And then I served as a missionary in Africa. And then I came back to Britain when I was 30 years old. So, you know, definition of church is very different even culturally. Because if you're in India, in a paddy field, Africa, in a village or city, and then back here, many people have different concepts of what must happen to be in church. But I think more and more we're realizing that church, the key fundamental of church is relationship. It is how we are connected. And so it is that connectivity that makes us, as um, John was saying, this Ephesians 4 mature body. But in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it says, and these gifts are given, and five gifts, pastor, teacher, which in the UK tend to be the main leaders of churches. Normally we put a pastor teacher in, but if you're in Africa, your main leader is usually an evangelist. If you're in India, quite often they call them apostles because they just, they plant a church and go, plant a church and go. And so it's, it's quite interesting of actually who planted your church, who was the father, will affect quite often the way that church grows. But God said he gave us five graces five grace gifts, and actually they build the church. And their main reason is not to actually lead or be the head of, but to come underneath, serve, and to bring to a confidence and maturity. And, and I think in these days, you know, what do we mean by apostolic church? Um, I was having, in fact, um, I, you were saying, Chris, Christine, you've had questions. Well, I was having a question with a round table and they're saying, what has happened after the pandemic? You know, everything's been shaken. What's standing? You know, and I said, well, what's the foundations? And, and they said, well, Jesus, the cornerstone. And I said, is that the only foundation? And they said, well, of course. And I said, well, why? I said, because Ephesians 2.20 says, yes, Jesus is the ancient everlasting foundation, the cornerstone. But I believe every generation and every era actually has prophets, apostles connected in with the cornerstone foundationally to shape the church 
for that era, for that distinctive, for that community, for that season. And maybe one of the reasons why our church is feeling very lost and shaken is because actually we keep saying, well, Jesus is the cornerstone, Jesus is the cornerstone, and we just need to get on and build. And we've forgotten the grace gift given to the church of the apostles and prophets. So people say, well, well what do you mean by that? In, I was reading a book called Apostles and the Emerging Apostolic Movement, which is a book out of the States by Regal. And he made this comment. He said, um, the apostolic movement today are those who have been called and sent by Jesus. They carry a spiritual authority, character gifts and ability to help the church successfully reach and establish people in the kingdom with truth and order, especially then helping them found, oversee and lead a local church. Um, it says some of what it is, but what do I think impossible is really their builders. Mm -hmm. They're people who are able to see the rough stones, get hold of them, work close and build something that is actually going to fit and serve that community. And that is foundational. What are prophets? Well, that's mostly more my sphere. I say, well, prophets are given to the church to wake up the sensory senses. You know, I, I live in Oxford. I had a young student come to me and said, oh, Rachel, the church drives me mad. And I said, excuse me, are you part of it or is it over there? And he said, well, you know what I mean. I said, well, why? He said, well, we're just deaf, blind and stupid. And I said, that's a bit harsh. And he said, well, we don't seem to see, we can't hear what's going on. And every time we speak, we sound like an idiot. And I thought about it and I thought, well, actually, that's quite sad because that should be the prophets. Prophets are seers. The prophet should be helping the church see in uncertain times. The prophet, you know, is Samuel, Lord, hear, let me hear. Prophets should be those training the ears of the church to know that John 10, my sheep hear my voice. Prophet's job is to train those sensory skills that we have in the spirit. Speak, yeah, we should be the ones decreeing, speaking to the heavens and the earth. And, you know, if we have a church that can't see, can't speak, can't hear, then I say, well, we've lost the foundation of the prophets because our greatest gift is we're the sensory ones. The pastors touch the heart, teachers train and touch the mind. Evangelists move the feet so we don't get obese and keep having a mission or apostles the hands, but I believe the prophets are the sensory. So in this time when people are feeling overload, I think we need those foundational gifts of the prophets and teachers working um, and pastors and teachers all serving one another. So actually the church can look good Amen. and then wow. serve the community. <clears throat> That's my passion. <laughs> Amen. That's Rachel preaching. Love it. <laughs> Thanks, Rachel. So, Charles, would you like to pick up on that? Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, well, I'm I'm a part of the Catholic Church, which, of course, has a very clear structure. If you look at it, you know, you know that you've got priests and you've got a pope, and and these these are things that you're very aware of if you show any interest in the Christian Church. But the key thing is that. Yes, these things are there, but it's still all about relationships. Mm. It starts with a relationship with Jesus, a personal living relationship for every one member of the church, every single member. And, and the second element is relationships with one another. And that means in our particular part of the church, 
that the, the community that we're involved in directly and closely, but equally with the church worldwide and with all the other presentations of the church, which may be very different from the experience that we live from day to day. And um, I, I've always loved the beginning of the book of Acts when it comes to the church, because in the second verse, Jesus is, is spoken of like this. The day he gave his instructions to the apostles, he had chosen through the Holy Spirit. So Jesus chose his 12 apostles through the Holy Spirit, and he gave them instructions. And a little bit further on in verse four, it, it emphasizes this again. When he had been at table with them, he had told them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the father had promised. It is, he had said, what you have heard me speak about. John baptized with water, but you, not many days from now, will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And, and what I see here is absolutely crucial to my thinking of church. First of all, Jesus is guided by the Holy Spirit in the choice of the original 12 apostles. And then he tells them not to do anything until they've received the Holy Spirit. And as we know well, that happens after his ascension. He ascends and the Spirit is poured out. And the beginning of chapter two of Acts explains how the Spirit fell upon the apostles. And that was what started the church. From that moment, they go out, they preach the gospel. Peter, who's been not noted for his um, understanding, really, of what was going on around him on many occasions, and not noted as a great speaker, he preaches an amazing sermon, just because he's now anointed with the Holy Spirit. And so at the heart of the church, in the relationship building, is the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And as I see it, you know, as church, the calling on us is to build these relationships and to go out and share the gospel and to do it under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So he will lead us to speak to people we would never have spoken to. He'll lead us to do things we couldn't have imagined doing. And, and he'll take us out and we will build the church as we evangelize, as we would say it today, in the power of the Holy Spirit. So, so for me, um, the church is all about relationship, beginning with relationship with the Lord in the power of the Spirit, relationship with each other under the anointing of the Spirit, and then reaching out under the guidance of the Spirit to build relationships with people to whom we are preaching the gospel. And, and I really think, in my own experience, that if we establish a relationship with somebody who's outside the church and, and we come into that position of, of where they're listening to us and, and we have a chance to speak to them, this is the anointing of the spirit. And we then pursue that and, and allow the Holy Spirit to touch them and to touch their lives. And, and in all of this, uh, when we look at the church around us, there's a job to be done building those solid, good relationships in the power of the Holy Spirit with the other Christian churches around us. Hmm. So if you're Catholic, Anglican, Independent, Methodist, Pentecostal, 
we, we all are part of the church. Mm. We are the church mm. and we need to be in relationship. Mm. And if we give the spirit the chance, he'll build those relationships. But we have to open the door and step through it and talk to people. So I, I, I'm, I'm excited by the church. Mm. I, I really am. I mean, I've learned so much from people from other traditions and backgrounds to whom I'm eternally grateful. But our job is to now continue to put this in front of people around us. Amen. Thank you, Charles. Amen. Thank you. So, John, would you like to draw the conversation to a close? Well, I think it's been really interesting because in one way we are endorsing one another in what we're feeling, but from totally different perspectives, in a sense. And um, I think for me, the lessons I've learned, which will probably come up later in what we're talking about, is, is having this mutual love and respect wherever we see the Holy Spirit at work in a person's life. Yeah. And as we do that, that's where relationships are built. And so over the years, we've developed relationships with the Catholic Church. I think it was interesting for me that in the Catholic Church, um, they were least threatened by the new churches. And uh, we were so far apart, it seems, in doctrine that we, we were the first ones to start meeting together yeah. in the kind of way that we did in the Central Hall. And we had Cardinal Soonans, we had Colin Elkhart, we had loads of people ministering. David Matthews, who was not at that time associated with the Catholic Church in any way other than fellowship, preaching a sermon on the church to which 2,000 Catholics stood to their feet and clapped uh, because they, 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 they agreed, basically. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's been a wonderful journey and people like Rachel and Charles have been an integral part of that journey for so many, over so many years. So we have a, 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 a real need to be grateful for them and for many others like them who have pursued not just their own ministry, but these relationships which uh, leave a foundation for, for growth in the church. And uh, so I would say, Charles, that one of my great experiences was being in the conversations with the Pontifical Council for the Promotion of Christian Unity yeah. and the people that you were working with there, just six of us and six of them, together with Bishop O'Farrell, uh, discussing, uh, first of all, how much we agreed. And it was the, the, the foundation for that yeah. was that I remember clearly saying, Bishop Farrell, we are here not to be united in spirit because we believe that if we have the same spirit, we are united in spirit and we aim to be united in our understanding of what one another are doing as we dialogue yeah. together. And that dialogue progressing is quite amazingly. Yeah. And of course, as a result of that, there's a paper on the Vatican website that uh, Richard Roberts wrote. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, great. Thank you, Rachel and Charles. Brilliant. <laughs> Thank you, John. Thank you all. Look forward to continuing the conversation. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.